Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. Those of us who are working in the digital realm believe that we actually have the ability to live out this command globally for the first time in our human history. We have the ability to actually reach out to all nations and do this. And this, Matthew 28, 19, 20, one of the guiding verses for us. Now today and for the next few weeks, the purpose of these holy conversations, <clears throat> again, as I said before, is to help everyone understand what a digital first church plan actually is, because I think most of us in this room probably don't know what I'm talking about when I say that, what it means to be the mother of a church plant, yes please, and who the church plant will reach, why the church plant is needed, and how the church plant will work. So we're going to talk about all of that over the next few weeks. That's the overarching principle. But the first thing I want to do, first thing I want to do, is tell you what's not changing. I think it might be helpful because I talk about change a lot. <laughs> I talk. About, I think some of us get weary hearing about all the change, even though we experience change every day of our lives. We don't usually like to hear about it. So today I want to start by telling you what's not going to change. First, and probably the most important thing for some of you to hear is that the physical church, Niles First United Methodist Church, is not closing. We will remain open. I know that some took my sermon last week, <clears throat> combined it with some news about other churches in the area closing, combined those two things, and thought, oh my goodness, they're coming for us. We're not closing. As I said online, they do not ask dying, dead, unhealthy churches to plant new things. So we're not closing, we're staying open. The service, this service, will continue as it has. We will continue to live stream it as we have. We will continue to use all the communication tools that we've been using, whether it's online stuff or your physical newsletter or whatever, and we'll think of other ways as we go along to do communication, but all of that's gonna continue. Um, we're going to continue to do the ministries we've come to be known for, like the community meal, collecting supplies for the teachers, feeding the marching band during football season, which I'm actually, I'll put that out, this out here now. I hope we get to do two more games than we did last year. I, I would love to actually have us feed them the entire season, but baby steps, y'all. If we could put out more than we did last year, that would be awesome. It was very well received by the band and the community. It was really one of the coolest things that we've done that the community has seen us do. So we're going to do stuff like that. And we'll continue to encourage more opportunities to figure out how we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. We're going to continue to have our Bible study. Hopefully we'll have more of those. I'm really still pushing to have two small groups either start meeting again or have brand new ones start meeting that are not Bible studies, that are community building groups that get together to share and express interest around a common thing. It could be working women in this church gathering once a month to talk about that and to just live some life together. It could be the men's group uh, beginning to meet for a cookout and some beers or whatever. These things, getting together outside of learning opportunities and studying opportunities, that is like 80% of discipleship getting together and living life together. So I'd love to see that kind of stuff not only continue, but to grow. We're going to continue taking up our offering in this setting that is separate 
from the church plan. I think one of the fears might be that we're given all this money and is it just going to that? No, it isn't. It's actually the church plant for the next three years is costing the church very little because I was able to secure a grant for that for the next three years at the tune of almost $140,000. So the church plant is funded by my, my, my half of the salary that goes toward that is funded through that grant for the next three years. So anything that this church gives is on top of that and definitely welcome, but we're not taking up our offering here on Sunday morning for that. We're not. And we're going to continue to be the church in a hybrid world. We don't live in a specifically physical world. We haven't for a while, but we definitely don't now. And what you may view as a change was a change that has occurred. (laughs) It's not a new thing. It occurred, and we've been living in it for a bit now. We're going to continue to live into that. Okay. So that is what's not changing. One of the questions I heard was, why me and why now? Why me and why now? Simply put, because I am called to do this. If you've known me for even half a minute, I love the digital space. I love the online realm. I love the work that can be done there, the connections, the community that can be built there. In our conference, the East Ohio Conference of the United Methodist Church, I am one of the very few that are qualified and uniquely situated to be able to do something like this, which is why the conference tagged me to do it. If for no other reason, then I was the only one putting the vision out there for it, and they caught that vision and was like, yes, now is the time. I am called to plant a digital first faith community geared toward creating a safe, welcoming, and transformative community of digital natives and digital affirming disciples of Jesus Christ. Digital natives is a very important part of what I'm talking about when we talk about who this is going to reach, which we will get to. I'm further called to help expand the definition of community. Not everybody experiences community in the same way. We don't all experience relationships in the same way. And we don't have to. And it's not that one is better than the other, it's just it feels better based on how we receive them, how we experience them. But I am called to help expand the definition of what community has been seen as and can be seen as. I'm further called to reach people with the gospel in the digital space, plain and simple. And I got an opportunity to do that last night. Share that story in a minute. I'm further called to make disciples of Jesus Christ by engaging with people in their native digital languages. If you are not a digital native, that might have sounded like a whole bunch of gobbledygook, but basically what that means is people who live their lives online have a very particular way of viewing the world. And I call that their digital language. I speak that language. And when you go into any space, if you don't understand the language you're in, communication is gonna be hard. So I am situated to do that, I'm called to do that. I'm called to utilize the existing connectivity of our United Methodist Church. We always like to talk about how we're a connectional system. And all that means is that when we pay apportionments, that money, doesn't just go to the conference and sit in a bank account. That money goes to the conference and they use that for global mission, local mission, different things like this. Things like this digital church plan. Some of that money goes towards things like that. We have a connectional system. We are all interconnected. I wanna use that, help enhance that, and assist our digital church members to get things like the sacraments, baptism, communion. We're allowed to do communion online right now, but we're not allowed to do baptism online like now. So what does it look like for a digital church to do baptism? I have all kinds of plans and ideas that 
have been approved to enhance our connectivity, to work with other physical churches in people's locales to say, hey, we need a baptism here. Let's work together to get this done. Nobody's doing that because we all feel like we're in our own little silo. And if it's not my thing, I don't care. The digital church cares. I am further called to give voice to the ways God's spirit can be accessed by means either previously unknown or dismissed in a pre-pandemic worldview, which means I am called to empower those engaged in the digital first church. And finally, I'm further called to activate Jesus's digital disciples for mission through various individual and community-driven means. What that will look like will be highly dependent on the group, but again, I have ideas for how that'll work, and I'm really excited about the possibility. And why now? Why now is because the church has said this for a long time, but the church needs to be where the people are, and the people are online. The people are living their lives in a digital world. People, that's where they are. I could give you, I actually had to come up with a whole list of statistics for the conference as a part of this. I could, I would love to print that out and show you just a portion of it. It would blow your mind the amount of time people are spending in the digital space. So if the church needs to be where the people are, then the church needs to be in the digital space. And not just as an afterthought, but as a primary means of connecting and communicating with people. So that is what I have for you in terms of what I have to say about this. Now, right now, I have a ton more, but weeks, we're going to get there. So based on anything that I've just said, or anything you might have heard before, or any concerns or thoughts or just questions you might have that I can address, please raise your hand and Terry will come to you with a microphone. And again, no question is a stupid question here. I'm not going to rip anybody's head off for asking a question that you feel like, oh, I should know that. No, truly, I want to make this as transparent a situation as possible. So, fuck. Thank you. I'm kind of curious as to what digital platform you're talking about about Twitter and Facebook. I'm pretty new to all of them. Yeah, no, that's a great question. What platforms will we be using? So, the main community building tool or platform that we are using is called Discord. And Discord, initially, when it was introduced years and years ago, was primarily used by gamers as a way for gamers to come together in a space to either do video calls, audio calls, whatever, while they were playing games across platforms. So it was a way that, um, and it grew out of that. So that's the main community building tool we'll use. In terms of outreach, like how are we going to connect with people, get to people, Facebook and YouTube are the two primary ones there. And then discipleship will be a combination of both Discord and YouTube and Facebook. But those are the three big ones, Facebook, YouTube, Discord are the three big ones. And then we'll have, we have all the socials, right? We'll have Twitter, we'll have TikTok, we'll have Instagram, Facebook, all that. We'll have a website. In fact, I have all of that set up right now, except the website itself isn't fully prepared to go, but that website will be called goby.church. So it should, it'll be real easy to remember. So those are all the platforms that we'll be using. On YouTube, you would be able to respond. Like on Facebook, you can respond. On Twitter, you can respond immediately to where it's there and you can have a conversation. On YouTube, it's more of a video platform where there's comments. Yeah, so it, just like on Facebook, if I go live, you can only comment back in real time on Facebook if you're live, right? Everything else is a comment that you can either see 
now or then and respond to later. So it's actually very similar to Facebook in the community, in the reach way. It's not actually very different in that way. Now that said, the main, so the, thank you because actually this brings up a good point. The goal of Gobi Church is community building first. Building a faith community that worship flows from. So the difference, what makes, so I'll jump ahead to what makes this different than say a church that's starting a new worship service that's like just a live worship service. Churches that have been entering the digital space for the last couple of years have been throwing a worship service online and calling that digital church. But worship is only one very small piece of what we do in the church. The community building piece, which has gotten sorely left behind by many churches, is the main thing that we do. So worship isn't the main thing that Gobi Church will do. It will, we will live stream once a month, do one fully enfleshed live stream service, and then the other weeks, the worship elements, whether it be the sermon, worship music, prayer stuff, all of that, scripture readings, all that, will be given out in small pieces. So the sermon will be out by itself. The prayer time will come out by itself. The scripture reading will come out by itself. All the different ways that we connect, the worship music will come out by itself. In the digital realm, that's called asynchronous, asynchronous, where we do things not all at the same time. It's kind of like how we watch Netflix, for lack of a better term. Like It's all out there, but we don't all interact with it in the same way at the same time. So we will gather, live stream once a month, and the rest of the time will be asynchronous, which brings me back to your question of, will we be able to respond in real time on YouTube? The goal isn't for us all to be able to respond to each other in real time during a live stream. That's what Discord is. Actually, that's why we're going to be using the Discord. Because Discord is open, 20, it's basically the church will be open 24-7 for people to talk and discuss, um, whether it's text, chat, voice, video, whatever, whenever, and people can respond to that. The, so Gobi Church is largely an asynchronous church, a church where we gather around the community, but we're not all interacting with it at the same time, all the time. And while that may seem very odd to many of us sitting in this room, those of us who have grown up with social media and things like that, this is not odd at all. It is the way we interact with the world, where we either come across something or put something out there with no expectation that there will be immediate feedback. That's what makes texting a very intimate way of communicating for people who are digital natives. You might not think so. You might think texting, that's... How personal that can that be? Texting is only second to a phone call in terms of invasive personal communication for a millennial and below. What I mean by that is it's coming right to you and there is an expectation for a response right away with a text message. A phone call, oh my gosh. You might as well just go up to somebody's house and knock on their door unannounced to call somebody now. And you giggle. But Michelle's shaking her head, she's like, yes. And that's how I feel like. People are like, why don't you just go visit so-and-so? You don't have to call them. Yes, I do. It's the, We don't live in that world anymore where the pastor just shows up. That would be super weird now. It just would. And so a text message for millennials and below, same thing. We feel like we're under the gun to have that response. And so anything other than that is seen as normative, as okay communication to put something out there and maybe wait for a response.
That was more of an answer than you asked for, but it does give you the idea, uh, a look into the mind of the people this church will reach. So we'll do this question, and then we'll save the rest. Maybe you can think of some things to, to ask next week. So we'll do this one, and we'll... This is more on the Discord. I know I've sure. asked you like, personally about how it works, but I'm familiar with Slack, mm-hmm. like in the workspace. So do the channels kind of work like that? And then can we access it through our computer, or do we have to have an app on our phone? Excellent. Good question. Yeah, it is very similar to Slack. It was it was a response to Slack for other kinds of communities because Slack is again the professional realm. It's like the LinkedIn of, of that. But it, it worked exactly the same way in terms of channels and things like that, and how everything is broken down. And if you go onto the Gobi Church Discord, you can see. And I posted some pictures on my Facebook. And they might have been on the churches, I'm not sure 100%, but pictures of what those channels look like. So it works exactly that way. And yes, you can. I use it primarily on my computer. I do use, use it on my phone. But since I type a lot and I'm constantly in and out and all that stuff, I'm a fat-fingered typer in my text. You ask Patrice, anytime I send a text message, I look illiterate. But if I'm typing, it's only half that. <laughs> so yeah, so you, you can use it across basically any platform, a tablet, mobile, computer, and it works exactly like Slack. If you know what that is, then you know what Discord is. That was a quicker answer. Are there any other pressing questions? Jared, yeah, I can hear you. Where am I going to do this at? You mean where am I physically going to be located? Yes. Okay, I will, so that, we've been going back and forth about what to do with that. It, for the foreseeable future, at least in the beginning and for as long as I can think of, I will probably be doing it out of my home office, which is already set up. The pandemic set me up to do it this way because I completely gutted my, a whole room in my house to be able to produce online content during the pandemic when I was with Braceville. Some of the logistical reasons to do that, other than I already have it set up, is business internet that would be required to make this viable and good is insanely expensive. It would cost the church a ton of money to upgrade the internet to what it needs to be to make it happen here in this building. Also, we would have to, in order to make any of the spaces we have available, we'd have to renovate a whole room to make it worth doing. And that also costs money. That doesn't mean we don't do it. It just means right now, the best way to do it is from my home office because my internet is 10 times better and it's 10 times cheaper. And I'm already set up to do it that way. So probably from there, but I do a lot of my work from there already. But yeah, good question. No, that makes sense. Also, as a full disclosure thing as well, the conference being the main funders of this, and actually as it would be for this church too, as a physical church, is let's say we get to a point where the ministry concludes. They decide this isn't working. It's not what we want it to be. We're not going to do it. All of the equipment that I'm about to purchase and all of that stuff, it belongs to the conference. So even if we set up, set it up here in this space, it's, it's no different than if they came in and closed this church down. To this building belongs to the conference. I just say all that to say in full in whatever I wish I owned the <laughs> things I'm about to buy, but I don't. The conference owns them, and we're just stewards of that. You didn't ask that, but that sort of was related. All right, with that, we're going to move on to our communion. But if you have, if you think of any questions this week, write them down. We'll talk about them. I have a whole bunch more stuff. What is the church exactly? 
who is it, who's it, who is it going to reach, why is it needed, and how will it work, again, more specifically than I've already gotten into, and then what does it mean for Niles first to be a mother to this church? What are your responsibilities? What are your benefits? Because being a parent comes with both responsibilities and benefits, and there are those for this church as well. So with all of that, I know these aren't like your normal sermons, but we are tapping into some Quaker and Mennonite roots with this holy conversation where, which is a cool thing. I love being able to do this. So please come with your questions, come with your concerns. And before, actually before we move on to communion, I do have one story that I wanted to share. Because I know one of the questions that comes up an awful lot is how can this be real? How can these relationships really be real? How can they mean anything? They're not the same. They're not the same as in-person relationships, so that they're not as good. Again, that may be true for you if that is how you primarily experience relationship the best, face-to-face. No criticism. None. But to say that they're not as real to the people who experience them that way, I will criticize that every day. And here's a story of an example of a very real situation that impacted the lives of a couple of dozen folks yesterday. I've talked about, I play World of Warcraft, an online multiplayer role-playing game. All that means is a bunch of us get online and we kill orcs and stuff. Seems silly. It's a video game. But I'm a part of a group called a guild. A group called a guild. If you're a craftsman, you know what a guild is. Right? It's a group of people that get together that form a community. Most of us have never seen each other in person. But I've known some of these folks for years. One of our members, one of our members went in for a heart surgery last week, never woke up from anesthesia. And so yesterday, in a group of people that has been largely hurt and then thus antagonistic toward religion and the church, they've known what I've done. Like they know what I do. They know I'm a pastor and they still let me in that space. It was awesome. But yesterday, we had a memorial service in the game for Richard. And I got to be the pastor for a group of people who will never step foot in the church to help take them through one of life's hardest situations. We weren't together in any physical space. We met in our guild discord. So there were about 25 of us in that group online. I have some amazing pictures of us all sitting in this space of the game where there's a big cathedral in the game and there's a little chapel behind it all sitting on benches as our character, our avatars. And I got to share Jesus with them in a very real way. I say all that to say, this digital church plant may seem alien and foreign to many of us, but for those who only experience the world in this way, 25 people walked away from that experience. I had half of them text me directly and say, wow, that was amazing, thank you, it's real. It's real for us. And so it may not be your cup of tea, but nobody's asking you to drink it. We're just asking you to help us make it.